You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. The book of Philemon. Okay, so how many of you guys remember the commercial from way back then that was the Speed Stick commercial? Ben informed me a little bit more, and then he showed me a YouTube video of it. That Speed Stick commercial, that when they, when they ended it, they were like, Bye, Menon. You remember that? Thank you. Some of you do, and most of you look at me. That commercial was back in 1982 or 84. I was born in 1982. Somehow, they must have played that commercial for years because somehow I remember it. Um, Pastor was mentioning that many are, uh, are visiting us on live stream this morning. And I mentioned to Beth, I said, well, I could have just preached from live stream this morning. I could have just preached from my computer. I teach from my computer every, every morning just about. Um, so I could just preach from live stream. We all could just listen from live stream, those slackers that didn't shovel themselves out of snow. I'm just kidding. Don't, don't shut it off. Don't shut off your computer because you're mad at me already. Please don't do that. Well, we are in the book of Philemon. It is a short book, but it's not a short book in its content. It is a very, very deep book. If you noticed last week, I rushed through what I was going to rush through. I knew that I was going to rush through it. I knew that we were only going to take a glance. There's so much that you can pull out of the book of Philemon. And I did not finish those 25 verses in the book of Philemon uh, last week. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to go back. Um, They're there for you to digest and meditate on. We'll probably throw some of that in here and there. But Philemon is such a deep book. There's a lot of doctrine in the book of Philemon. We're not going to examine that today, but there is a lot of, of big, heavy doctrines in the book of Philemon, which we will probably take a look at next week. But this week, I want to examine um, the three men of Philemon. Philemon is a book I love the inspired scripture. I love that, you know, you read books like this and you think, well, why did God choose to inspire and preserve this particular book? And you see evidences of it being the inspired word of God whenever you notice things like uh, the trinities that appear again and again and again in the book of Philemon. We see that three men are involved, which is what we're going to look at today. I mean, other people are mentioned, but three men are, are involved in this book. There, there's uh, three times the book, the word love is used. Three times the word love is used, uh, which is interesting because it is a book about love. It is a very intimate book, one of the most revealing books about the personhood of who Paul, the apostle, actually was. Uh, three times the, the word bow is used, which is the Hebrews often use the word bow as the seat of affection. We use heart. I love you with all of my heart, we say. They would say, I love you with all of my Bowels. I don't think that my wife would think that's very sweet if I said that to her. Um, but fellowship. Fellowship is a word that's used four times, but there are three types of fellowship 
um, that we see in the book of Philemon. There's the fellow laborer in verse 1. There's the fellow soldier in verse 2. And there's the fellow prisoner in verse uh, 23. Well, again, we see that there are three men involved in the book of Philemon. I'm going to go through some of these things rather quickly because there's certain parts that I want to spend a little bit more time on. So let's, before we go any further, open up in a moment of prayer, praying that the Lord would give me the discipline to go through the things that I need to go through uh, quickly. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for this day, Lord. We thank you so much for the snow and the beauty um, as I look at the snow, Lord, I think of purity and how one day, uh, today, we can be washed white as snow from our sins, Lord, but one day we will be pure as the driven snow, as pure as possibly we could be pure, Lord. And I just thank you that, that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament, firmament showeth forth your handiwork, Lord. I thank you so much for the truth of that uh, scripture. Lord God, I pray that you would give me... Um, just fill, fill me with your spirit and keep me filled, Lord, that I would be disciplined in sharing forth the truth of what you would have me to share this morning. We pray for these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, we see, obviously, the first character in the book of Philemon, the central character is the one, kind of the central character, is the one in who it's written to, Philemon. Remember, last week we talked about who Philemon was. This is a book that's written to a particular person who doesn't seem to be in the ministry, but is, you know, is what we would call the full-time ministry, but is very much involved in the ministry. He has a church inside of his house. He is very much involved in the work of the ministry, so much so to where Paul calls him. Now, I don't think that Philemon was a pastor. I don't think he was an evangelist. I don't think he was anything like that in the full-time capacity, but he was a fellow laborer. Now, imagine this, the Apostle Paul calling, calling just an everyday worker laborer in the church, which we have many of them in this fellowship, a fellow laborer. One of the greatest heroes of the faith calling just someone else as somebody that's a fellow laborer. You're working with me. Philemon was a man that we can all learn a whole lot about. We can see in verse 1, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved, and fellow laborer. He's called fellow laborer by Paul. And then we skip down to verses 6 and 7, and we find the nature in his labors. We see that Paul says that the communication of thy faith, that is the spoken word of his faith, the ways in which he preaches Jesus Christ, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. In verse 6, we see that he was a man who preached, but most likely not in the full-time ministry. He's a wealthy man who had many servants. It's just unlikely that he would have been also in the, the full-time ministry because we all know that unless you're a Joel Osteen or a T.J. Jakes of the world, you're not going to be rich and have many servants being in the ministry. Every person who is saved, each and every one of you here and each and every one of you on live stream, every person who is saved ought to be communicating your faith. 
You ought to be telling others about Jesus. That's something that's convicting, I'm sure, to many sitting here, as it is convicting to me. Often we don't open our mouths out and tell other people about our faith in Jesus Christ, that the communication of thy faith, but we also see that it is a communication of his faith to the saved. We walk by faith, not by sight. When we get saved, we are to continue in the same ways in which we were saved. We, were, we are to continue our walk in this Christian life by faith. That the communication of thy faith. We ought to be communicating to both the lost and the saved. We see, though, that the end of this verse, verse Verse 6, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. We can examine man, whether or not he's saved or unsaved, and we can look on that man with our own carnal eyes, and we can see that there's a lot of good things that come out of people. There's people do good works. But according to the Bible, it means nothing whether you're saved or unsaved, it means nothing if it's not a good work which is in Christ Jesus. Many of you completely understand what that means. In Christ Jesus, through the power of Christ Jesus, therefore he gets the glory and not you. Therefore it was something that he did through you and not something that you did in your own power and in your own strength. We see here that he used his mouth to communicate Christ Jesus, but that it means nothing if it's not backed up by a conduct of faith. Your words, your words, your testimony of Jesus Christ telling other people about Jesus Christ, whether or not it's to the lost or to the saved, you telling other people about how they ought to live their lives and encouraging other people in the Lord means nothing if you're not doing it yourself. You can't go around telling other people that you're a Christian and that they need Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you don't live it, you are a hypocrite. And you damage the testimony of Jesus Christ. Philemon wasn't just a man that communicated his faith with, with words. He was a man that communicated his faith with deeds. He was the real deal. Be real, Christians. We lose our families. Not, this isn't the case all the time, but many of us, we, we lose our children and our families because so long and there was a period in our lives where our faith wasn't real. We brought our children to church and then we go home and we yell at our wives in the car and get home and the things that we heard at preaching, maybe we even went to the altar, we completely forgot about them by the time we get to the dinner table. That's not real. Be like Philemon. Be real. What doth the prophet, my brethren, do a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? What does it profit if you say you have faith, but you have no works? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Make sure you live out your faith like this man, Philemon. We see also in verses 2 and 3, if we assume, which I don't have any reason to question this, that the people mentioned in verse 2 are his family, at least the first one, maybe his wife. 
that he was a man that included his family in the ministry. He was a man that included his family in serving the Lord. His full, whole family served the Lord together. My soul, he had a, a house church, a church inside his house. As you serve the Lord, it's wrong to leave your family out of it. Do your best to include your family, husbands, your wives, and your children, wives, your husband, and your children, to include your entire family in the work of the ministry in whatever place in the ministry God has called you to do. It's also wrong to use your family as an excuse for not serving the Lord. To use your family as an excuse for not coming to church. To use your family as an excuse for not doing the things that God has laid on your heart to do. I mean, just bring your family along with you to serve the Lord. And that will be a whole lot better than spending time in front of the TV having family time. Bring your family with you to serve the Lord. Be a, be a true family man. We see that he's a giver. We, we can see this in evidence of the fact that he opened up his entire home. And I don't know if it was like this in his house. This thought just came to my mind. But the Bible says that they meant daily in what we read about in the book of Acts. But even if he just meant once a week... That's a lot. How many of you have opened your homes up for fellowship of the believers? You have a lot of cleaning to do both before and afterwards, don't you? You know, just all of these things that we don't think about, there is so much involved, not just in him giving of his finances, but of him giving of his effort and his time. He was a giver. He was a giver. Be like Philemon. Be a giver. A heart of love and hospitality will preach. It will preach. Now we see Onesimus. Onesimus is this runaway slave that was a slave of Philemon, and Onesimus ran away from Philemon, and apparently he did Philemon some wrong. Probably, it's, I think it's indicated later on the passage, that he probably stole something, though we don't know that for sure, but it seems like he probably stole something. And he comes to Rome wishing to disappear and to never be seen again because he knows if he does, then he's going to be at the very least imprisoned, possibly much more because he committed as a slave this great crime. And then we see that, that this, this Onesimus, he, as we indicated last week, Somehow, in the midst of the multitudes of those that are in Rome, somehow he finds Paul, who he knew. Paul, who preaches the gospel to him. And Onesimus, who accepts Jesus Christ as his Savior. That's no accident. We find this Onesimus, this man, a slave. A slave both before this incident, and then also after this incident. In verse 10 we read, And I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. 
Paul says, I'm in bonds right now. I'm in prison. And this Onesimus, somehow, somehow he found me. I preached the gospel to him, and he was then saved. When we approach the throne of Christ, when we are in the work of Jesus Christ, God sees neither bond nor free. He sees in Christ. He sees neither male nor female. He sees in Christ. Galatians 3.29, And if you be Christ, then ye are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. That this man, Onesimus, obviously not a rich man, but rich indeed in Christ, having become heir to the promise of Abraham, heir to receive the riches and the glories for all eternity in Christ Jesus, inheriting eternal life and so many more blessings that are added to it for all those who are in Christ Jesus. We see in this slave that not only do we see a man that's, slave, that's a slave in this world, but free in Christ Jesus, we also see deliverance. No one wants to see slavery. No one wants to see those who are shackled and in bondage. We all shout amazing grace whenever someone is freed from that shackle and bondage. And if you understand the story of amazing grace, it was written by a slave owner, right? Who came under conviction about slavery, and these things were involved in him writing the song Amazing Grace. Deliverance. Deliverance from what? We see Philemon, uh, Onesimus, is a man who is delivered. R remember, this is a man who stole something. This is a man who is a slave. This is a man who... who because of, his, because of his crimes, was indebted to his master in a big way. And there was a penalty coming his way. This was also a man who was in big trouble with God. Being a sinner. Onesimus. His name means profitable profitable. A good slave, a good servant, will be profitable to his master. But Onesimus was not profitable. He was unprofitable. You and I, before we were saved, were completely unprofitable to God. And the fact is, is that even today, though sometimes we get all big and haughty and we think that we're something when we're nothing, even today, we are nothing unprofitable to God. And you, hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, slave to Satan and sin, in bondage and shackles to Satan and sin, According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, you were once a child of disobedience if you're sitting here today and saved. You were once a child of Satan. 
You were once in bonds and shackles. You were once imprisoned in your sin. Among whom also we all had our conversations in time past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Yeah, we see in verse 12, Paul says, Who I am sent again, thou therefore receive him. That is, mine own bowels, my own heart, my love. I love this guy. I know he's done wrong. I know he deserves nothing but the worst of all the punishment that you could give him. I understand that, but I'm saying just wipe it away and forget about it. I know that he was unprofitable to you and more than unprofitable that he had stolen from you. I I understand that. But I want you to receive him as you receive me. Well, I'm not going to labor on the doctrine of that. Maybe we'll get into that next week. But, But I want you to examine the fact that when you are saved, before you were saved, you were a child of Satan. You were in bondage to sin. But now, being a child of Christ, the bondage, the shackles are, are set, set you free. You are no longer in bondage to Satan. You are no longer in bondage to sin. You have, as Onesimus has, been set free. So that when you approach the throne room of heaven, when you approach God in heaven, God doesn't see you like Onesimus, the slave, that owes so much more than hell itself. He doesn't see you as that. He sees you as Christ Jesus. And Jesus Christ says, receive him, mine own bowels, those who I have died for, receive him, my own heart, receive him as myself. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. For sin shall not have dominion over you. You are no longer a slave to sin. For you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? Don't you know that that which you obey, whether it's the law of sin and death, or whether that it's the law of grace and righteousness, that you are a servant of that? Now you are a child of God. Now you've been set free from the shackles of sin. Why would you then continue in the law of sin? Why would you then continue as if you are a servant to Satan himself? God forbid. God's given you the grace to escape, just like Onesimus had been given the grace to escape the clutches of his own sin. God has given you the grace to escape the clutches of your sin, to live a life of grace. But God, be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. I mentioned that Onesimus was... His name means profitable, it means useful. That he was once unprofitable to his master and was once unprofitable to God. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There are none that, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. 
Romans chapter 3, verse 12, there is none that doeth good, no, not one. But now in verse 11, we find in Philemon, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and me. You in time past walking according to the course of this world were unprofitable to God. But now as you walk in Christ, not in your flesh, but in Christ, you can actually become profitable to God? What? That is unbelievable. A servant should be profitable and profitable only. Otherwise, there's no reason to keep him. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, Ye are the salt of the earth, but that the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Pastor mentioned the word Christian and, and how it came to be back in the book of Acts, how men began to be called Christian. They didn't call themselves Christian. Other people called them Christian, mocking them, making fun of them. You and I, we go around introducing ourselves as Christians. Let it be known of your testimony that, that people don't have to hear you just say that you're a Christian and be surprised that you're a Christian because they don't see that your life as a Christian walks up with your talk as a Christian. Let it be said of you, that person is a Christian without you ever having to say that you're a Christian. I'm saying open your mouth and tell other people about Jesus, but I'm also saying to back up your talk with your walk. Become profitable to Christ Jesus. Don't make a mockery. Don't make a mockery of the name Christian. Now we come to the part that I wanted to spend the most time on. Paul the prisoner. Paul, verse 1, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Notice that he does not recognize himself as a prisoner of Rome. He does not recognize himself as a prisoner of men. He does not recognize himself as a prisoner of Satan. He is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You and I can learn a whole lot from this. He understands the sovereignty of God, that, that though God may not cause everything to happen, he allows whatever happens to happen. He understands the omnipotence of God, that if God didn't want him in that prison at this moment, then he would deliver him from that prison at this moment. He understands the goodness of God. That though it seems that his world is crashing in on him and he is in prison and doesn't know whether or not he believes in faith later on in the chapter, he says, I believe I'll get out of prison and be delivered. But he doesn't know this for sure. He's in bondage. He's shackled. But he doesn't blame man. He doesn't blame himself. He doesn't blame government for his condition. He says, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Not blaming God, not pointing fingers at God and saying, God, why did you do this to me? Before he ever entered the prison, he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You didn't just happen to come into the prison and say, oh, now I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. No, the reason that he had that attitude, Paul's attitude, 
as a prisoner of Jesus Christ is because before he ever came into the prison, he said, I am a vessel. A vessel is just something that's an instrument to be used for the master's good. Whatever that may be, whether that's seemingly harm that's come to your body and who you are, or good that comes to your body and who you are, that you're a vessel open to receive whatever it is that would come your way. Some of you, in this lifetime, have been or are at the moment limited in a physical way. You have a sickness, you have something that limits you in a physical way. Paul was limited in a physical way. I mean, couldn't you and I imagine that Paul could do so much more being outside of prison, preaching in the streets of Rome? But no, 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 he was shackled, held to a prison house. Seemingly that he's unable to fulfill the, God, the call that God has placed on his life. You and I, we suffer physical afflictions. And we look at these physical afflictions as something that would shackle us from achieving that which God's called us to do. Paul, the prisoner, goes in and says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I'm not a prisoner of a brain tumor. I'm a vessel. Open to whatever it is God would place on my life. Verse 10, Paul uses the phrase, in my bonds. And we find that wherever Paul went, he preached the gospel. Wherever Paul was, he preached the gospel. No matter what it is that was laid on his life, he saw himself as an apostle to the Gentiles. Now he's in Rome, he's in prison, seeming like in man's eyes, in our carnal view, that he could never be, never be as impactful inside the prison house as he could be outside the prison house. But he says, in my bonds, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And wherever it is that I'm going to be, I'm not going to allow my circumstances circumstances to change that fact. I'm not going to allow my circumstances to change the fact that I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ and I will preach the gospel wherever it is I go. And so he sees this slave Onesimus and he leads him to Jesus Christ because before he ever went into prison, he had the proper attitude. He kept the proper attitude while he was in prison, while he was in prison that I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ and I will do what I do in the capacity that I can do it in. Though I am limited in a very physical way, I will give my all still for Jesus Christ, for the glory of God. Not that you be a lesson to you and I. You see yourself limited in a very physical way. Our carnal thinking, we think that, that because we are limited in a, in a physical way, our mindsets are that, well, we could never go out and do the things for the glory of God that we otherwise could. Mrs. White knows exactly what I'm talking about. She's been afflicted, laying in her bed, being afflicted with sickness, but listen, you would never have the ministry of prayer that you have today. And there is, we say it as if it's just so trite, and we don't really mean it so often, but there's nothing more powerful than a bended knee in prayer. 
A bended knee is what moves the omnipotent, the all-powerful, the almighty hand of God. We see that evidenced again and again in Scripture. Whatever physical limitations that you have, there is one very important, the most powerful thing that you could ever possibly have is the ministry of prayer. And all the ministry of the afflicted is a blessed ministry indeed. The ministry of the fellowship of the chained. And isn't there fellowship with God being in physical limitations? God's view, though. We talked about man's view and how we look at ourselves as so limited, so unable to accomplish that which we want to in our hearts and that which God has called us to do. We see God's view, though, that says they are limited in the flesh, physically, but they are unlimited in the way in which God wants them to serve him. Don't live underneath your circumstances of life. You have a God who is mighty. Don't allow your circumstances to to affect the way in which you conduct your life. You do you as much as you possibly can in the physical limitations that God has put you under. You give your all to the glory of God and you don't stop serving him. You consider yourself a prisoner, a prisoner, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Not a prisoner of the afflictions of the flesh. Not a prisoner of a brain tumor. Not a prisoner of... We still don't know for sure. Not a prisoner of all these different things that could afflict you, but a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I'm going to share with you some lyrics in closing to a song that... I'm in the highlight of my ministry so far. Several months ago. I mean, we're actually traveling and busy. I actually have more than one multi-day revival meeting to conduct. And the Lord wipes that schedule away. He says, I'm going to give you a brain tumor. I'm going to wipe you out. In fact, I'm going to take away your ability to communicate. I couldn't even communicate. It was a struggle for me to get out of bed. I would go to the recliner and just lay in the recliner. That's all I would do. I wasn't watching TV. I couldn't open my eyes. I couldn't get on Facebook thinking I'm in this limited physical capacity. I want to do something for Christ, but what possibly can I do? I'm stuck in a recliner. It's not even like I can get on Facebook and try to encourage other believers. There is nothing that I can do. But sit here and exist and pray to a holy God. That is literally all that I did all day long was just sit there. Bethany will attest to that. And the times where I had the physical ability, the energy to do so, I would would pray. I would pray intermittently. But I'm thinking, God, you've called me to the ministry of evangelism and you've just wiped out my schedule. What is this? And my statement going into this trial was the statement all the way through, I am a vessel. I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And though I think that I could never be as impactful as I could being inside these physical limitations, inside of these chains, 
These are, this is the will of God, my omniscient, my omnipotent, my almighty God. This is the will of God for me. I am not a prisoner of a brain tumor or a physical limitation. I am a vessel, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And so this song came through, and I remember so often as I'm listening to, to music, this song would come through, and I would actually search for the song and, and listen to it. It's a song called, I Am a Vessel. I remember listening to this and weeping uncontrollably. Just because of the phrase, I'm a vessel. But I will read it to you when you make the application to both Paul the prisoner and Onesimus, the man who was bonded in chains, but now free. I will read the lyrics to you now in closing. Fashioned and formed, God's perfect design. He knew me before the beginning of time. But sin had tainted this flawless creation until Jesus' blood was applied. I am a vessel that he has created. I was so empty, but now I am filled. Was once in ruins, broken in pieces, the Savior has mended and healed. Second verse. When others see the faults in my life, think about Onesimus. He sees the beauty he placed deep inside. For my father, he was working, reshaping, remolding. Until I'm completely refined. I am a vessel that he has created. I was so empty, but now I am filled was once in ruins, broken in pieces. The Savior has mended and healed. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your inspired word. Pray that you would do the work that you've set out to do in refining us this morning. Pray that decisions will be made. Lives will be encouraged, convicted, changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.